Hello and welcome. I'm Michelle. And I'm Jessica. And this is Pretty Over Perfect. We are two former neighbors and current best friends who know that perfection is an illusion that could easily keep us from living our best lives. We are here to discover the goodness in the messiness of real life and find joy in the everyday by embracing simplicity, creativity, and a little sparkle. Hello, Jessica. Hi, Michelle. And hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Pretty Over Perfect. We are excited to be back. I kind of missed the the week in between our last episode and this, but also we had a lot of time to research and contemplate the direction we want to take during the next bit of time. We've decided to dive into relationships. We felt like it's something we've been wanting to cover for a while, um, but it did feel really timely after Valentine's Day, the season of love. So today we're going to dive into romantic relationships, but first... Everyone, it's Michelle's birthday. I think the day this comes out. Is that right? I guess so, yeah. It's coming the out day this drops, awesome. it's your birthday. Yes, how exciting. So happy how birthday to you, Michelle. <laughs> what are your you. grand plans? What are your grand plans? Well. Or not grand. It can be either. <laughs> so, President's Day. My birthday is on President's Day this year. It's kind of fun. I get a three-day weekend usually around my birthday at some point. So... This year, my kids don't have school on that day, so we will probably do something fun and adventurous. We will be going to my hometown to watch a play that my stepdad and uh, step-siblings are involved in. Oh, fun. Over the weekend. We will leave on Friday and come back on Sunday. And then on Monday, we have plans that are not fully developed yet to just go find something beautiful, maybe something snowy, and then I would like to end the day in Portland, and I would like to get a pizza from Ranch Pizza and also a pizza <gasps> from the new Detroit-style pizzeria, Wild Child Pizza, and I would like to have them next to each other so I can compare and decide which one is best. That's really? my plan. <laughs> that sounds very fun. Yeah, so we're going to have a little pizza competition of our own invention. Cute. Cute. Any yeah. plans for the birthday cake? Ellie. My oldest daughter, she would really like to make it for me. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, great. And then just today we were discussing the logistics of that with going out of town and such. I'm, I don't know. I don't know when that's going to happen, but, but she's planning to make the cake and it will probably be the cake that I always love having on my birthday, which is the one my mom used to make for me when I was a little kid. And you've made it for me, Jessica. It's It's a a good one. Very, very it's a very, very chocolatey cake, and it's delicious. And she would like to make it, but she would also like to spend some time decorating. So that's the part that I'm, I don't know exactly when that's going to happen. But maybe she can make it on Sunday night, and my husband and I can go dancing or something while she's at home baking me a cake. Okay, so a couple a couple things we need to pull out here. One, you've made it to the point where your daughter can babysit, make a cake for you. And look how flexible and fluid you are. So, so chill about all the specifics. You're a seasoned woman. A seasoned birthday. (laughs) Uh, Yes. No, it is a fun new stage of life we are getting into where it's not like we leave all the time or anything like that, but we could potentially go places a little bit. We went to a play last weekend and out to a restaurant. It's just like a whole new world, but... We do, it's not that we even get to take advantage of it that much. I mean, we could, I suppose, but my it is like a fun a fun new time in life. We have some friends, and we were and their daughter is friends with our daughter, and we're like 
the best thing we can do is put these people all together. Our kids and your kids, they can watch a movie and we can go out and have, we can go to a tiki bar or something fun, you know? How fun. You have arrived. <laughs> yes. It's, it's just like a shift. Okay. <laughs> I just play with all the children at our feet and now the children are too big and they block the conversation. So now we have to take the conversation. <laughs> so they play, you go. Yeah. You play works go. out. Now let's dive in, shall we? Yes. Let's. Let's talk about romantic relationships wow ooh la la ooh la la <laughs> michelle when i was contemplating we didn't really have our traditional beginning of the year chat about our goals we love yes. goals mm-hmm. if you're new and so this year as i was contemplating kind of the direction i wanted to take i i really wanted to focus this year on strengthening my relationship with nate my husband I guess I I kind of had a moment of realization that as our lives, life together has gotten busier with more kids and more involvement and business and such, we have fallen into some sort of a rhythm, not like a bad rhythm necessarily, but a rhythm that I could see over time taking us to a place with little spontaneity and a lot of parallel living. And I really don't want to go there, you know? This stage of life and marriage and parenthood is so full. In fact, we were just talking before we recorded about how full it is. It's full in the really, really beautiful, good, happy ways. In fact, it's it surpasses my expectations. It's better than I ever thought it would be. And it's also busier and harder than yeah. I ever thought it would be, too. So through all of these experiences that are completely wonderful and completely a part of life, I want to make sure that I'm nurturing my relationship with my husband. You know, like it's so easy yeah. to take for granted, um, but I want to do work here. So I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, I feel like my husband and I, that's the, and if you guys have not been listening for a while, let's just say we've been married for a while. Uh, we've all got a bunch of kids and that's the perspective we're going to be talking about on this relationship because, well, we don't really know any other ones right now. I guess we know past forms of this relationship, but that's kind of where we're going and I just remember early on um, in the busy days of like having the babies and everything like that, it became apparent that it was going to be easy to do what you're saying, right? Like that parallel living where you're like doing stuff together and you're raising your family and everything like that, but you have not necessarily like invested that time into the relationship. And I'm, I'm not pointing fingers. This has happened to me. And it's just like something that it becomes easy to let other parts of your life fill up that time. And then I've heard of a lot of people, the kids are grown and all of a sudden they're like, oh, I don't even know you anymore. I don't like you. We don't have anything in common anymore because we were just doing life side by side. And early on, my husband and I wanted to acknowledge that that could happen and try to work through not letting that happen, right? Like, what are we going to do in each stage to stay connected, to to stay in love with each other, even though all of these other things are going to come up and our time together might not be the same that it was in the past. And it's not going to be the same as it is going to be in the future. But like, we want to look forward and expect to still like each other when we get to that future. And so just like keeping that in mind, as a goalpost to kind of like be checking in on and like, there have been times where 
kind of just looking at each other being like, I'll see you in a few months. <laughs> like we really <laughs> very legitimately have had those times in our marriage for various things where it's like, I will, I'll see you in a while. And, but knowing we're going to like come back to each other after that. And we're going to figure out a new way of like investing in the relationship and finding out again, what we like each other, like about each other and what's fun and all of those like more enjoyable things, even though we sometimes need to fall back on the teamwork aspect of the relationship and the maintaining of a household and like all of these other things that we're doing. Just looking yeah. ahead saying we also want to like each other. So yeah. that's kind of where we're yeah. going. Yeah. True. And Michelle, I've had, I feel like before I even got married, I was like crazy researcher about love, marriage. Like I was always just like gearing up for that and really expected to kind of be like the, what's the word? The exception to what all these books were saying. Right. And I really prepped myself and came up with a plan by myself before it was actually real about how I would avoid that. And it's all great in theory, but it's like, here we are in the thick of it. And I love the hope that comes from just being like, okay, I'm going to regroup. And we've had conversations similar to yours in the past. They don't always apply, right? Like they don't apply the ones we had when we had no kids or one kid, like it's Hmm. different now and it's going to be different in 10 years. And so that's so hopeful to know that, yeah, it's going to change and we can always revisit. And so let's, (laughs) let's, let's dig in and like revisit together. I'm excited to hear your your thoughts. Do you want to know why you can't be the exception to the rule, Jessica? No, I don't actually. It's biologically impossible. Okay, fine. Okay, are you ready? Let's just chat real quick about the neurochemistry of relationships, particularly falling in love. Because to me, this was like so interesting and like relieved some of the pressure and made it more fun to like adapt and change to the different seasons. So We've talked in the past about dopamine and how it affects the brain, right? And how it's often associated with pleasure, but it's not really about pleasure as much as dopamine is the neurotransmitter all about acquisition and seeking out rewards. And if you listen to our episodes last year, we talked about how this dopamine is in our brain. It's absolutely vital to our survival. It encourages us to get up and look for our next meal. It helps us pursue our goals, and it's intrinsic in finding a partner. And dopamine is highly involved with falling in love and passionate love, the kind of love that you feel at the beginning of a relationship. It's a highly dopaminergic experience where your desire is to find a mate, right? And Oxytocin, the hormone of bonding and connection, is also highly involved in falling in love. But serotonin, which is kind of more about contentment, is suppressed. And cortisol, your stress hormone, is um, increased. Basically, all of the dopamine pumping through our brains makes falling in love a super intoxicating experience where we want to touch each other all the time. We can't stop thinking about each other. We tend to neglect other relationships and responsibilities during this time. It's really fun. Like you look back and you're like, that was great. But you might also look back and remember that it was probably kind of stressful. You're probably sweating a lot. (laughs) You were maybe stressed about like, when will he call? And why didn't you meet me after class? And did you look at that other person? And, you know, those kinds of things. Like those are all experiences that we've had too. 
So falling in love, super dopaminergic. And then that dopamine surge tends to fall off for all couples everywhere after an average of 9 to 18 months. And when I see that little time frame, 9 to 18 months, the little anthropologist in me is like, well, of course, because dopamine, a dopaminergic surge in the brain that causes us to be like obsessed with each other isn't going to be helpful when we start to have kids. And without modern dating culture and birth control, it would take nine to 18 months-ish for most people to have offspring that they then need to care for. And so that dopaminergic surge in the brain has to change so that we are Mm. no longer obsessed with each other, but instead move into a companionate love, a teamwork love, a project doing love, a partnership love. Not to say that those moments of intense desire for each other aren't still there, because they are, but they have to be more in play with the other things that are going on. We need more oxytocin and serotonin so that we can actually build a life together. This is the kind of love that moves from intense passion to the long-lasting love, companionate love. And Dr. Daniel Lieberman writes about this in his book, The Molecule of More, and he says that for some people, when this dopaminergic surge ends, this end of the passionate love, it confuses people and they often think, oh, I don't, I'm not in love with this person anymore. I should give up and find the next person. But if you do that, you will just be on this hedonic treadmill where you will always be looking for the next person because this surge of dopamine will always fade. And it's not a recipe for happiness. Instead, passionate love, it's not fading. It's just transforming into something else. Mm -hmm. The dopaminergic thrill of excitement and anticipation is going to fade And what you're going to come into is a here and now phenomenon of fulfillment, satisfaction, and contentment. It's just that deep feeling of being happy and content with someone whose life is intertwined with yours. And you know that you've always got each other's back. In some ways, that's a more enjoyable kind of love than the intensity of passionate love. And when I read this, I was like, oh, good. Because I felt like for years when my husband and I Maybe we're like in year four or five of our relationship. We'd been together for a while. It was kind of a sticking point. Like we were looking back and being like, why aren't we that infatuated each other with each other anymore? How can we possibly get up and go to work, right? Is something wrong with us? Like, are we broken? Are we not in love anymore? And knowing that that part of your life or that part of the relationship is turning into something else it gave us so much relief from the pressure of looking back and thinking something else in the past was better. Mm -hmm. And instead, focusing on what are we building now? What do we have now that we love and enjoy and is (laughs) so much more deep and enjoyable and strong than this precarious thing that we had that yes, it was intoxicating. But what we have now is turning us into better people. It's helping us build our families and our lives into something that we really, really love. And when we shifted our focus away from being obsessed with this past version of us that is not a realistic expectation anymore into this new kind of love that we're building, we were able to grow and deepen that connection so much more and look forward to what is now and what's ahead with more joy, with more anticipation, with more 
um, excitement than if we were always lamenting a past that is unlikely to be again. Mm. Which, again, I want to clarify, it's not that you will never be in love or madly in love or head over heels for each other again as much as the intensity changes because your lives are changing and you're building something new together. That is, I love that. I love that a lot because you're right. It does relieve pressure. Um, It, it relieves the longing and the wondering that, I mean, like, why isn't this taught all the time? (laughs) How many of us have been so confused? Like, why is this too much information if I say, like, why do I not just want to sit and make out with you? What's wrong with me? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, why are you wow. touching me? Excuse me. <laughs> I can get up and go do other things now. Great. Right? And picture if we, like, just never moved on from that. I know. Well, if you think it about it, if you, like, take a step back, you're like, the world would cease to exist if we all just, like, stayed in that in state that stage. with each other. Right? We would yeah. be able to accomplish nothing. We would be able to build nothing our children would be neglected and uncared for right like yeah yeah. so it's it biologically makes sense that these things happen and then that they have to recede a little bit and when i say recede like i feel like at first when i first heard this you know there's like maybe a little bit of like sadness but at the same time it's this shifting in focus of like oh, there's something really good and really amazing here. And we can still foster and nurture a relationship where we really enjoy each other, where we really like each other, because we're not obsessed with this like past version that's very unrealistic. And would like just it would not be a recipe for success for the human race. (laughs) It's true. It's totally true. And also, as you were saying, like, as that surface like Twitter pated stage grows into something deeper, then we have the opportunity to still grow together, which we've talked about in the past is how we um, are the happiest as humans. So we can still be intentional about growing and accomplishing and recognizing that growth so that we can still feel all of those lovely feelings that come from that sort of thing, but it can be on a deeper level. Exactly. Like even when we were talking about dopamine in our other episodes, you know, we live in a culture that's like kind of obsessed with the next like dopamine hit, essentially. And yet true happiness comes from finding balance in our lives from using dopamine to help us reach our goals to help us want to improve our relationship. All of those things are good. And yet we also need to take the time to be present in the moment that we have and look for the good that's all around us right now and learn how to enjoy what's going on here. Or we will be constantly unhappy and unsatisfied and resentful if we are not practicing, like reeling some of that in, right? Some Mm -hmm. of our expectations in. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I find it very freeing to, to know. It is. And what's fun about you and me, Michelle, is we have very similar philosophies about life, but we have really different approaches <laughs> as far as like the way that we think, which is why I think we're such a good pair. <laughs> but I have over here some research that I would like to share that kind of goes into, I'll high level it since we've spent so much time here, but like it goes into specifics about relationships through this cycle that you're kind of talking about scientifically here. Mm -hmm. So there are five stages, according to this doctor. And 
the first is what we're talking about as kind of the honeymoon phase, the merge phase, which I don't even need to get into it because we all know what it is. Mm-hmm. It's the easy fun stage. And then the second stage probably happens after this nine to 18 months where um, it's called doubt and denial. That's where we finally start to notice the differences between us and our partners. We wake up from that trance of infatuation, finding that the same qualities that once seemed so perfect, like his reliability reliability now feels rigid or her generosity seems irresponsible and it kind of can create some friction Mm -hmm. and maybe some irritation and some worry that maybe we're actually not perfect for each other and as our disappointment escalates so do our biological responses to stress so depending on our personality and circumstances we may want to fight or withdraw so the advice for this stage is to work on skills of conflict management and to face relationship problems head on while treating each other with care and respect and to remember that power struggles and arguments are normal. They're not a sign that love is ending or that the relationship isn't working. Then stage three is disillusionment. And I want to also say that like we can go through these stages quickly or we can stay in certain stages long term depending on where we come from and all of those sort of things and our partner where they come from but the third stage of a relationship is the disillusionment disillusionment stage this is the winter season of love one that may feel like the end of the road for some couples which is so sad because it's like if we can understand kind of the why and the the cycle then it gives us a little bit more of an elevated perspective you know but at this point the power struggles in the relationship have come fully to the surface the issues that the couple have maybe shoved under the rug are now glaringly obvious and some people become vigilant ready to fly into battle at the slightest disruption other couples may quietly move apart to avoid that confrontation over time, putting less and less energy into maintaining the relationship and investing more outside of it. So the solution here or the advice is to try to clear the air and create space and stop pushing problems under the rug to avoid the issues as tiring and repetitive. I totally relate to this where it's like, by now, I feel like Nate and I like we can say one thing and we're on this certain merry-go-round. Like we've had the argument 75 times and I know how it's going to go. So sometimes it's like very easy to be like, whatever, I'm not even going to bring it up. But like they're saying here that that just leaves a lumpy carpet with lots to trip over at some Mm -hmm. point. So there may be a lot of negative energy in the relationship if you are stuck in this stage and to offset this that we need to practice showing affection even when we're upset. And we're going to get into this a little bit later. Mm -hmm. But you can feel angry and be aware that something isn't working, but still go to dinner and a movie. Yeah. Or whatever the equivalent is. So the things that are going... Have a project together. I love that. Like something that you're working on as a team, like that might be a child or it might not be... uh, It might not be kids. It might be a different kind of project where you're like, we are working on this together to build like that trust, to build that companionship and that partnership during this season. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good point. So um, that's step stage three. Stage four is the decision phase, which unfortunately some relationships end here because Mm -hmm. of all that was said before. And there's a breaking point of some sort. So either we leave or we stay 
and decide to actually change some things to work on it to fix some of these, you know, normal, but difficult parts of relationships. So it's really hopeful because even relationships that have been really rocky and hard, like when you learn and work on skills of like communication and things like that, years of resentment and and estrangement, sorry, Mm -hmm. can fade away. And then we move into what this person is saying, which why do I not have the name, but it's a doctor, (laughs) Um, is we can go into wholehearted love, which is even better and richer than that stage one Twitter pated stage. The Mm -hmm. fifth stage is called, did I already say it? Wholehearted love. And that's when our relationship is at its healthiest and most rewarding. It's love's summertime. When the fruits of a couple's labors are fully ripe and ready to be savored, couples experience true individuation, self-discovery, and the acceptance of imperfection. That's huge. Mm-hmm. In both themselves and their partners. So they yeah. so we realize we we like accept that okay, nobody's perfect, but I love you, you love me. We're gonna work hard at this. And it even, you know, specifies that like hard work is of course still involved in this stage, but the difference is that the couples know now how to listen well, they have more trust in this process, and they lean and they are able to lean into the uncomfortable conversations and stuff without feeling threatened or attacked. So what to do here? Nourish yourself, which is that's an interesting thought. Um, the wholehearted love stage is fueled by the qualities of two wholehearted people, generosity, humor, flexibility, resilience, good boundaries, self-care, and a life with meaning and purpose. And couples are able to stay in this stage as long as they're able to continually sustain their own wholeness as individuals. Mm-hmm. So make self-care and self-growth continual goals. And they yes. can know that there will be new challenges waiting somewhere in the distance, but that you can be well-equipped to deal with them when they come. In the meantime, relish the journey. So I thought, I mean, I I went a little deeper there, but like, I thought that was very tangible and very relatable. And I asked Nate, I'm like, where do you feel like we are (laughs) in this? And he was like, you agree with these things? Like you felt like this? And I'm like, more or less, yeah, totally. Can you not say that you, you have? And he's like, it took him a minute, but he's like, yeah, I guess I can, but it was like interesting that it was really hard for him. That tells you who's the fighter and who's the flight, who's the uh, retreater in our relationship. But anyway, it was it was fun to talk through that with him and kind of figure out where we feel like we are at this point. But anyway, it's a process, and that was a deep dive. So wait, where did you guys decide you are? He felt like we were coming out of stage four, and into stage five and I actually that's right where I felt like we were two before I asked him Mm -hmm. and he's like you know but not everybody's endured like losing a baby so early Mm -hmm. and going through a doctorate program and COVID and all that that did and I was like yeah but the thing that's cool is that like everybody's experienced their equivalent that has forced them through this cycle Mm -hmm. and it's of course never going to look the same as ours But people come from addiction and abuse and like different things that, you know, trigger us differently. And so it's just a flat out guarantee that we're going to move through these this cycle, you know, in this dopaminergic experience because we're humans. Yeah. And honestly, I think that like looking at that and knowing these stages are normal is a good segue into the next topic of expectations and how they can help or hurt us. Because I think that what can be 
so difficult is when we have expectations set by ourselves before we were never in a relationship or set by a movie that we watched or set by the couples we see on Instagram or whatever it is, whatever like expectations we're absorbing that say, oh, this shouldn't be hard. We should never have uh, difficulty. We should never come to a decision point where we're like, are we going to figure this out or are we not? Right? Like it can be so difficult if we, you know, like so many movies or stories end with happily ever after they fall in love. And then that's the end of the story. Like the story is just about them getting together. And then there's no continuation of the story of them figuring out what to do after the first or 100th fight about the same, um, the same issue, right? And like, we don't necessarily get to have a lot of examples of what it means to keep like showing up for each other when it's uncomfortable or irritating or when it's really hard, uh, Mm -hmm. when it's hard to be vulnerable and like have the conversations that nobody wants to have, right? Like there's not a lot of um, expectations set up around that, but there are a lot of expectations of unrealistic ideals, idealized ways that like love should theoretically work, but it doesn't work like that, right? And then that I feel like can often lead to increased resentment and irritation and like, oh, this, this couple, they're, they've figured it out, they have no problems. And like, why aren't we like that? And like, it's just not, it's not true. It's not real. But like, we can think that it is. And so it's actually helpful to, to realize these are common stages that everyone has to work through. They're a part of life. And like, I don't know, there's so much relief, I think, in that camaraderie, like, oh, we're all just humans, and we're all going to figure it out. And then moving from unrealistic expectations to the expectations that can help our relationship, which are, we've decided to stay, we've decided to make this work. These are the expectations we have for ourselves and for each other about what that means, and about how we're going to show up for each other, and about how we're going to love each other through hard seasons or conversations or whatever it may be Mm -hmm. right yeah i agree and on the flip side i remember one year my cute aunt said that her new year's resolution was to have no expectations Mm -hmm. and that deeply bothered me you know it's like Okay, so then, so we've got the one side where it's like, okay, my expectations are that it is always perfect or the opposite, which is whatever. I just Mm -hmm. can't even like, I can't even begin to expect anything because I don't want to be disappointed. And like, I see that. I totally see where, where she was coming from in that situation. But, but I think that the right place to settle into is to find the expectation where growing can happen you know that healthy Mm -hmm. place and i do think that what you're saying is so important where you have the conversation Mm -hmm. you consider where you're coming from and i think it's always such a good solution in any conflict to be united in finding out where you want to go Mm -hmm. right so then it's like it's neither you nor me it's our goal together like where we're yeah where we want to grow to so i don't think that can happen without a conversation but but what what can happen individually is to know that like we are humans and i want to expect growth which is which is rocky bumpy imperfect and pretty dang beautiful if you ask me yeah yeah and by like setting expectations i don't mean that like in one conversation we will solve the problems that's or a good point <laughs> we yeah. will like suddenly 
never annoy each other anymore because we'll be great at all of these things that bother each other. Not hey, like that, but the maybe we expect to get annoyed. <laughs> yeah, just saying. Right, like I kind of get what she's saying too, where it's like it's a process of lowering some of your expectations to open our minds to see the good that is actually happening. Mm-hmm. And instead, let the expe- expectation be, we're working on this, or we are excited about the future, or we are, you know, loving each other the best that we can. And like, when, and then like, and in a way, that's like an expectation, but it's also an opening up of like, I'm going to look for all of the ways that this person is loving me, especially yeah, like when, you've, when you've been together for a long time. And a lot of the ways that you love each other are routine. And they're mm-hmm. mundane and they're the ways mm-hmm. that you take care of each other, but they're built into your life. And so you might not notice them anymore. And so sometimes that expectation can actually be like, let me fall back yeah. and look at like, oh my gosh, because we partner together in this relationship, look at this life that is available to us that we both enjoy. Look at how we are a team. We're a partnership. We each bring you know, sometimes our best and sometimes not our best, right? Because we're humans and that's how life works, right? Sometimes we're a complete mess and we're still there for each other. But the idea is that we're both we're both showing up there. Mm-hmm. And when I see like, I want some grace for this area that I'm failing in, it's like, oh, maybe he wants some too. Yeah. Hmm. Good point. Maybe I should back off a little bit or maybe, you know, instead of listing all of the things that I think could be better about him, maybe I could, you know, see what I could do better. Hey, that's some wise advice. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good thought. Michelle, is there something that you're doing right now that maybe helps you focus there, helps you enjoy your husband and (laughs) the, the good in the everyday? Is there yeah anything there? Yeah, I think that right now, it's something that changes all the time. But right now, something that we are enjoying is just like optimizing our life in various ways. We're both optimizers by nature, I think. And right now, we just feel a passion for for doing that and seeing how we can do like these little projects or these little things together. And it's fun to talk about. It's fun to talk about like, oh, how could we improve this little area? I'm not saying that we have always felt this way. Sometimes it's been like, how can we survive this day, mm-hmm. um, right? Or like, how can we survive this night when the baby is not sleeping or this really uh, difficult season with whatever, with work and unplanned grief? Obviously, grief is never really planned. But, you know, like some days it's just been about survival. Uh, but right now, I feel like we get to be in a time where we're just excited about, you know, making little like tweaks and like optimizing little things and I don't know. That's just kind of fun for us right now. So it's like, well, oh, that's very sweet. Yeah. What about you guys? Yeah. Um, I, I agree with the survival that really resonates <laughs> with me. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's where I am <laughs> still, but I still want to feel love towards Nate. Yeah. And I've learned by now that the, the best way that I can feel love, I talked about it in the last episode, is to give love. And so mm-hmm. I love the concept of the love withdrawals and deposits, if you could kind of think of it like that. I like measurable <sighs> analogies or ideas. So I like to try to focus on depositing 
as much love as I can. And it's going to look really simple sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right now, I kind of made a list of things that I try to do. Um, I try to put his myself in his shoes and fill the needs that I see that maybe he he has also. I thought, why don't I just flat out ask him? Because it's probably changed from five years ago or last year. So I have that on my list to do to make make sure that these little bits of um, deposits of love are are really filling to him. But haven't exactly asked him that question yet. So what I'm doing now is I will try to fill up his water bottle when it's there, sitting there and empty. Um, I try to fill up his gar- his car with gas. I actually take his truck to the gym every day because it's warm and he's already been in it. <laughs> so um, if it's empty, I try to fill it up with gas. It's a little extra time, but it makes me feel so good <laughs> to know that yeah. I'm doing that for him. I try to be thankful with words because I'm a words person. I know that he's not necessarily, but I've also learned over time that he still appreciates them. Mm-hmm. So I'll send him a text. And now if he doesn't text me back, I'm not like, why didn't you text me back? I told you I loved you and that you were so handsome and you just ignored me. Now I'm like, he got my text and I know that that is going to make him feel happy mm-hmm. and feel loved. Um, I try to give him random hugs, but I have to be completely honest it is so hard for me because I'm like mm. a task completer. I hate mm-hmm. stopping like mid dinner and like giving a hug. Yeah. Like it just is so against my, my nature, but I know that that's like words are for me. Physical touch is filling for him. So mm-hmm. also I do, I'd say 50% of the time, try to make it a point to look in the mirror when I know he's getting close to, to being done with work and coming home i like at least try to redo my mom bun you know like (laughs) make it look nice or put some chapstick on (laughs) that's the extent i mean like if i'm by um if i'm upstairs and buy my lipstick i have put on lipstick i'm not gonna just shy away from that because i seem a little extra but like the point is i do try to do what i can to be presentable that's gonna ruffle feathers and and it doesn't mean anyone else needs to do that. That's just like how I feel like I can show up a little tiny, tiny bit better for him because I love him. And that's, I don't know, it just makes me feel like I'm exerting some effort for him. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's like, like I said, redoing my bun. It's not like I'm curling my hair. But um, I, I also try to make it a point to give him a hug when he comes home. And most of the time I'm about to lose my mind i'm changing a diaper i'm cooking a meal and i have a little baby on my leg or something so it happens maybe five or seven minutes after he gets in the door i mean ideally i'd stop what i'm doing i'm like fling myself onto him but i'm not there yet but i do try to make sure that i I give him a hug when he gets home you know so Mm -hmm. that's me being completely honest about the little deposits i try to make every day i have it on my list to ask him exactly how he at this season how I could meet his needs these these smaller needs because I can't go and like swoop into work right now and uh, I don't know take his I don't know athletes for an hour while he goes and gets a massage but but like I want to make sure that I'm trying to exert effort so that I feel love towards him does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah yeah and for those of you who are not Jessica level I would say like ask for one thing that you could do because yes, like yes, this is this is my point. thing like one what's one way 
that I could make you feel more loved. And it might be like I'm giving you something or it might be that like I'm trying to work on something. My husband would appreciate it if I was a bit more punctual. And um, really, I always just thought it was one of those like endearing little quirks that I'm like sometimes like five minutes late to things. That it's fine. If <laughs> I, I like to you. make an entrance. <laughs> well, I saw this thing. I was like, better to be late than ugly. And I was like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So you're gonna have to cut that. But like, I can't do everything all the time, right? Like we have other stuff going on and everything. But can I? graciously receive in this for in this moment a little bit of criticism it's not always criticism right sometimes it could just be like hey if you yeah filled my water bottle or made me coffee in the morning that would help me feel really loved but like just one thing like I can ask for one thing that I could do to help you see to help you feel seen and loved and taken care of Mm -hmm. and you know some of those things are going to be harder than others Mm-hmm. Some of them are going to be easy. And it's like, oh, yeah, I love that, too. I would love to make more of an effort in that area. And some of those things are going to be like, that might take me a little bit of adjusting. But, um, you know, I love you and I will try. And but I think that one thing at a time can be helpful because, first of all, we don't want to create a list of like yeah. all of the ways yeah. everybody's failing. I don't feel like that is helpful or encourages growth, but also like we're all yeah we're all busy we've all got stuff going on so i i feel like i can handle it better if i'm like i could work on one thing at a time or like add this one thing to and like as time goes on you know those things are going to change or be different right and the beginning of relationship it was probably like my one thing will be that i like became the person making dinner for our family but now that's sort of i just already do that and mm-hmm. so a little bit of Again, that recognition and love for the ways that we've partnered together on this life. And then, like, what's the next thing that I could do to help you feel loved and seen? And it might surprise you, too, what that person, like, cares about and wants, right? I agree. I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate you bringing that up because I sat here and thought hard about the things that I do. And nobody get me wrong that I do all of these things every day. (laughs) Like, it's it's hopefully one a day, you know, because, oh, I feel you if you're out there and you're like, are you freaking kidding me? I can't even like get myself dressed. I'm Mm -hmm. so overwhelmed with taking care of everybody else. And I, that's just one more person who can take care of himself that I now have to take care of. Like, Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. Like to everything, there is a season, but I, have decided that I am happiest and I feel the most love when I can exert an effort, right? Maybe it's just an effort that day. Um, I'd love to just like when we were first married and we had no kids and we were living in Texas and Nate was selling security. I spent my morning bubble lettering all the qualities that I saw in him and taping them all over the kitchen so that when I left for a week, he would remember just exactly how much I love and appreciate him. Like, hi, that was fun. Not going to happen right now. Like, it's just everything is every season is is different. But like, the point is to reach Mm -hmm. to so that we can, you know, fight for that relationship to, uh, to feel love on some level, right? Yeah. Yeah. And another thought I have there because I I would feel like right now, you know, our season of life is busy, but I don't feel so overwhelmed in this season as I have in past seasons, especially when like for women, when the babies are little, 
right? Like when the babies are little and you are the only person able to feed them or the main person feeding them or whatever, it can be so overwhelming to take care of everybody. And then yes, it feels like this other person comes in and needs to be taken care of too. And you're like, I think you're going to have to take care of yourself. (laughs) And it's such a time where like resentment and frustration and the cold shoulder can build up because you're just like, I am so tapped out. Yeah, I have nothing left to give. And I heard a thought that really resonated with me and really helped my mentality going into that. And I think it might have been from, I can't remember who it was from, but she was like, when you and your spouse come together at the end of the day, and if you go into it feeling like, oh, here's just one more person who needs one more thing from me, you're not going to feel good, and they're not going to feel good, and it's going to continue these feelings of overwhelm, right? Instead, change the thought to, I'm here for me. I'm here because I love this and I need this and I need to be taken care of, right? Like, and it might not feel like that right away, right? Like we're going to snuggle on the couch because I want to. Instead of feeling like we're going to snuggle on the couch because he wants to and he needs something more, I want to be there. And like, even just changing that perspective, even if Like, you're going to, again, kind of fake it at first. Like, I want this. This is good for me. I come here to get my cup filled. Like, those are the kinds of things that can then breed this good cycle of like, oh, we enjoy doing this together. I like being here. Instead of like, I'm so tapped out and this person needs more of me. Um, I want to do this because I enjoy what I get out of it, too. And I feel like... Mm -hmm. When you're at first saying that, you could be like, oh, no, I can't be like that selfish. I shouldn't do that. But changing that perspective breeds so many better feelings of like, not like this person is taking more from me, but I am actually getting love from this situation. I'm getting something that I need and want. And then I'm like, oh, I want to do that more (laughs) like that. It really, for me, started a much better cycle of pressing into that relationship when I felt like I was doing it for my enjoyment instead of just as a requirement for the other person. So yeah, I can attest to that for some people. Yeah, no, I I've stumbled upon that thought somewhere in the past and can absolutely second what you're saying. It's, and you're right. It's like, I can't say that. That's selfish. No. And at that point you need, you need, you need love. Like, yeah. And it doesn't do anyone good to just, have that cold shoulder because you just feel like someone else is touching you like Mm -hmm. you know it's like no i need my partner to touch me because Mm -hmm. like that is love or right even if it's go ahead yeah oh i was just gonna say like like a baby touching you is different than the way like your partner touches you right a baby is needing and not that you don't get love from your baby i'm not saying that but like there's definitely like tons of oxytocin being exchanged between you but like that is something where you are giving. And if you can then be touched by your partner in the sense of like, I'm receiving this, it can be so helpful and so like healing and so calming to the overwhelm that you feel all around. Um, Because I know it's just a very, very real feeling. It is. mm, Yeah, it is. And let me just make sure that I'm clear again, that a lot of times I, I exert effort in loving Nate initially selfishly because I want to feel love towards him. Like I honestly sometimes have felt like 
I just, I, I don't know why. I just feel like so far away from him and I feel irritated maybe about something. Okay, then I'm going to try to do something. And And a thought came to me that one thing we've been consistent at, maybe the only thing with the love deposits is whoever gets their toothbrush first gets both toothbrushes ready. And that's so, so simple. But like, I don't think we've ever missed a night, which maybe we probably have. But that's not the point. The point is, if there's one thing I could do, maybe it's just that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, Michelle, we've talked about how busy our lives are, you know, and every season is busy in its own way. You're you're dealing with a different kind of busy than I am right now. So how do you prioritize time and connection? Well, you know, as unsexy as it sounds, we learn to schedule it. And it sounds crazy because it does. It doesn't like, I feel like we spent so much time wanting to just like spontaneously have time to like gaze mm-hmm. into each other's eyes or like go on a date <laughs> or like, you know, do some big elaborate gesture. And because the time never presented itself, we didn't find it. And we were just like growing further and farther apart or that those like little moments of resentment really started to build up because we did not just schedule the time to be together. And I also know that in like the big seasons of overwhelm, the spontaneous idea that like, now I have to plan something or now I have to be available for this or whatever is just like, it's it's too much. And it adds to that overwhelm, at least for me, maybe not for everybody. Some people are going to really love and need like the spontaneity. But for me, just saying like, in each stage of our life, in each season of our life, we like just look at how can we schedule time to be together. And it has like looked so different over the years. We were just telling the kids the other day about how when all of our babies were little and they all napped, we would go get donuts after church on Sunday and we would put the babies down for a nap and we would eat a donut and watch Saturday Night Live back when it was good. <laughs> and that Cute. was like, that was our bonding moment that we like loved for like, I don't know, a while the babies were napping and that was like our special time together. And like, I have such fond memories of that Mm -hmm. time because we did that little thing. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, how long is Saturday Night Live? An hour or whatever. Um, But we had like, there was so much camaraderie and like joy from that. And I remember we like always went to the same donut shop that we really loved. And I was pregnant with my third child, I think. And I remember being like, I'm pregnant. It's not just because of all the donuts. Uh, but, uh, I'm just like getting larger here. At the um, shop. Yeah. So anyways, we just like, there was so much love in that time, right? And it was just like this little mundane moment, really. And now the way that we do it, we, we actually get to have two scheduled times right now. Um, Monday nights are just our time that we just set aside for each other after the kids go to bed. And so it can be basically as elaborate or inelaborate as we want. There's no, mm-hmm. there. we have a routine that we like to follow because we enjoy it, but there doesn't have to be any expectations. It could be 10 minutes. It could be however long you have, but the expectation is simply that we're going to be together. And we've missed some Monday nights because that's life and we can't mm-hmm. always do it, you know, where we have to, and often we try to like move it. Hey, can we move it to Tuesday or whatever? So we're flexible in that. But it's, we're going to spend time together. We're going to put our phones aside. We're going to put work aside. And we're going to spend some time together. And again, like, it can be as little or as much as is available to you. But I do think that for us, at least, it's been a big deal to just say, 
this is what we do instead of just waiting for it to happen. We go on a walk and we walk down a very, very big hill to a coffee shop in our hometown that we like to go to. And then we walk up. Um, But it's our time together. And we know we're going to tackle, you know, talking about all the things that we want to do and things that we're excited about and things that, you know, are just going on in our lives. And so again, maybe it can't happen every single Saturday. Sometimes we have other things going on. But we know that, you know, that's our hope is to enjoy that time together. So what about you? How do you guys prioritize uh, time and connection right now? Well, I'm just learning so much from you. I just I love those ideas. It's so true. It's every day becomes the same if we don't make it different. So I feel like why is our generation so screwed with babysitters and how expensive they are? I feel like my mom paid like $20 for like three hours for five kids. We've like we've hired a babysitter maybe 15 times in our entire lives. It's so expensive. It is. It doubles like we just have the to date. take that expectation off the table total right away. We were very lucky when our I mean, we have family and friends close by, so I feel like we lucked out in that. But like, oh my gosh, yeah, if babysitters are the expectations, then it's like that's just never gonna happen. Or at least it It's hard. It has yeah. rarely happened for us. Yeah. So Yeah. We um we've probably been getting out twice a month because my brother plays collegiate basketball and we are like so excited to go watch him play and so a couple times we've paid a babysitter to be with our kids but it's like it literally doubles the total of our date so it's not the norm normally like outside of this basketball season it's been much less than that and and so we've tried to make friday nights a time that we have like a date night inside and we've, we've kind of talked about this in the past but my husband this is when he really his I don't know he's very he's he's Michelle (laughs) as a male like he likes to just have fun he it it doesn't have to be completely structured and I don't know I really rely on him for bringing in play to our lives so it's fun to kind of consult and in the past we've traded off who who takes over the planning of of our date night at home um but there are so many options there's even like date night boxes you could subscribe to if you really want to outsource that way but um something that i'm excited about because while it's not really realistic for us to go out very often especially like we're about to have another baby so there goes another year of feeling like i can't leave a babysitter with my all my kids but like I do feel like there is a certain refreshment that comes from getting space, especially as a stay at home mom. And it's very much I'm with them all the time. Um, my husband was so pumped about this. This um, what is it? What did he call it? Like this quarterly. He called it a tap session. It's like it's a no. I was going to actually have him come down and talk about it, but we're going long. So I'm not going to. But basically, it's a scheduled overnighter quarterly and this can be an overnighter in a hotel it can be an overnighter in your house but the idea is to get some space between if you have kids you and your kids so that you and your spouse can kind of regroup and so you do like a training which i'm like you suggested this like i'm all over it you find like something you want to grow together in and you learn about it and then you so t-a-a-p training a is aiming so goal setting figure out how you want to maybe implement the things that you're learning about into a goal form. So it's kind of measurable action, how to execute the goals and then play. 
which is what he's so excited about. So you do something fun and new, something novel, something that you can't necessarily do at home or the office. And um, we're going to do our first tap session in March um, and just kind of grow together, get some space, grow together, come up with a little bit of plan an evaluation of how you feel like maybe your relationship's going or your family is going, where you're headed and just schedule that time. Like you're saying, Michelle, but maybe on a little bit of a, you know, a higher level, which mm-hmm. would be less frequent, of course. Um, but to just touch base, regroup. Um, so I will report when we execute this. Because it's yeah. a theory at this point, but I'm glad Nate suggested this. Because if Steve was like, "I want to do a training with you as our date," night, I like, know. Are you joking, I'd be Michelle? Like, no, I know. <laughs> I, it's because the p, the play at the end. That's why he's yeah. excited about it. The space from the kids and the play at the yes. end. Uh, no, but I'm like all about that growth goals. Let's do this. <laughs> it was yeah. a perfect. It's a perfect marriage of of both of our strengths. <laughs> so. Anyway, I like, thought that we're that already was a good perfect. Idea. I don't know what we have to learn. So, no, I'm just kidding. Well, if that if <laughs> we're <that's>, not, <laughs> no. that was a joke. That was a joke. You you God. are close. You're close. Um, okay, so that's an idea. Um, you can implement the idea yeah. however you'd and like, I, of course. And but. I think this is like we're throwing out ideas because different stages, different personalities want different things. And my yes. biggest advice would be. Try a bunch of stuff until you find out what yes. works for you. Good We've point. tried the date box, and then we're like, you know what? We're way too tired to do this. We want to do something that's like more low key than this. Even though we did the date box one time, which was or like whatever, it was like an email. It was it was an email suggestion, oh, and yeah. um, the idea I, we might have more energy for it now. But back then, I was like, it was too much. Too much. <laughs> but we did it one time, and we made a mini golf course for our kids throughout the house and they will not stop talking about it that was like the best day of their lives i will um, not stop talking about that i'm like are you kidding me do you this remember, is just a normal yes i was here yes. i was there oh, i saw yes. it and it was, I was like, like you guys are annoying you're so perfect <laughs> because but we only did it one time and we were like that's too much work uh but it was like our fun like we combined my love of puns with like i don't know it was it was a fun project to work on but like we can't do that every Monday night like I don't I don't have it in me to do that every Monday night no. but like sometimes we do you know and yeah. for me and so like what works for you like how can you you know do you need to have like a cuddling and watching tv session is that how you're gonna bond um I wouldn't like make that the only thing that you're doing but like if that's a rare but special occasion for you like that's great if you, you hold know, on really quick to, like yeah that was like our only thing we could do for a couple years during school because of how drained yeah. we literally would sit on the couch my body would be like throbbing from exhaustion and he yeah. was the same and so it was like that was what we did to bond yeah. for a good period of time and but it's not the only thing hopefully ever but right and i wouldn't say i would say like that there might be like long seasons of your life where that's the only thing going on i would just say like maybe if like for your like whole life you might want to in- include some conversation or like if you feel like that's (laughs) perhaps a rut but like if you're just like so tired and so drained like understanding that you're in that season of life and that it will come to an end eventually i think is part of like hey we're just figuring out a way to enjoy each other right now and it's totally fine if it's that um we definitely have watched a lot of tv you know like together because 
because that's a way to bond. And because sometimes like at the end of the day, that's just like what you want to look forward to. And and that's the only thing you can look forward to. Like we're not doing date boxes. We might not even be able to have a conversation, right? So anything (laughs) that you can do to bond totally. And then just be open to how can that change over time, right? Like, you know, now a days our kids stay up later. And so we don't have so much time for that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, right? And so it's like, oh, we need to adjust now. We need to do a different kind of um, connection, point of connection here and something else that we're going to enjoy. And so it's really just throw mud at a wall and see what sticks. Like what works for you right now? Growth mindset. Keep trying different things. Yeah. If this if this uh, session on improving sounds great to you, do that. <laughs> if you're like, no, but we could go rollerblading around the neighborhood, like do that. Um, you know, like whatever it is that sounds fun and like just try a bunch of stuff until you find out what is going to work for you in this session, in this season of life. Because yeah, they've all changed and they've all been different seasons. I think the only expectation we should have is that we're trying to find something that we enjoy doing together. And yeah. um and if that's the expectation, it's like, oh, there's a world of possibilities. And if you don't, if you can't think of any on your own because you're too tired, you know, Google them. Um, <laughs> I think the word is, for. the word prioritize, though, is really key here. Yeah. Because if if it is not prioritized, it will not happen. I feel yeah. like I'm speaking from experience. Um, so whatever it is, prioritize it. Make it, make it a, I love the scheduled idea. Our Friday nights, like I say that and it's like, it's not, it doesn't sound quite as, like it is not quite as scheduled as it might sound, you know, like it used to be at hey, one point, but like, anytime you it just reminds it. me. Yeah, it's true. Well, it's true. And I saw a, a clip from the Gottman Institute and they were saying mm-hmm. that uh, the thing that does, that um, mm, separates couples who have a good love life from couples who don't is two things. The first is that they enjoy each other outside of the bedroom, right? Like they are Mm -hmm. friends with each other. They like each other. They say nice things to each other. You know, they might not always 100% of the time feel all of those things, but like they are, are friendly towards each other outside of that. And then the other thing is that they prioritize time together in some way. They don't just put it on the bottom of their long list of Mm -hmm. things to do. They, whatever works for them, they make sure that that happens. And, um, And I think that, again, like you were saying earlier, love begets love. Like sometimes you're not going to feel like showing up on those days. But when you do, it's like, oh, yeah, I do like you. You get the benefit. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, this is nice. I would like to do this again. You know, and sometimes it really is just about like setting that schedule, setting that precedent. And then like, oh, we're going to just like go towards this a little bit and it will start a better feeling. And then outside of that, you're like, oh, I do like you better. I do want to say nice things to you. I do enjoy our relationship. I do get to enjoy this life that we have together. Um, But because I like made the intention of like looking at it and looking for the good and prioritizing time spent together and all of those things. It's real easy to become roommates for sure. Exactly. um, it's I don't easier want that for any to of become us, roommates. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Well, yeah. And like I was thinking about how interesting romantic relationships are in that I think that these are good things. I think that like especially for women, like marriage is better now than it probably has been for a long yeah. time in the past. But um, you know, because it's more of this partnership. But it's like the only relationship that you have with somebody where you expect them to change. 
right? Like you're friends with your mm-hmm. friends and it's like they're who they are <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm friends with them. And like your romantic partner is like the only person you're like, I need you to be different <laughs> for me. Or, right. right? Like, and I was like, that's kind of funny. But um, yeah. So even if we're going to have those expectations, let's also do the things that we would do with our friends. Like, enjoy hanging out with them. I like that. Do nice things for them. You know, um, make a priority of having, like, enjoyable, fun moments together. Whatever those things are. I always say fun, but, like, maybe you hate fun again and you just, like, but, you know, you really want to be, like, really saucy. And uh, that's what's going to bond you. Like, go for it. <laughs> do that. Go all out. Go, go all out. Go all out, yes. Yeah. Okay, before we end here, we're going mm-hmm. a little bit lengthy, but that's why we're doing it every other week. So if this is too long, push I pause. I know, we have revisit. to fit it all in because we're not we doing do. two episodes. We do. So we're saving you guys time. Yeah. Really. It's true. Um, I want to talk about the nitty gritty, the real stuff. How can we like each other and love each other in difficult seasons? Yeah. Because, like we said, it's inevitable. <laughs> yep, they are. They're coming. <laughs> Or they're I, yeah, yeah, maybe it's right now. And that's okay because it's not easy. I'm not trying to dismiss it, but like it's, in my opinion, expected. Because when we apply the 50 50 rule that we've talked about so much, which you kind of expect 50% of the time that things are good and 50% of the time things are hard, then we're not shocked when things are hard. Um, so when we apply that 50-50 rule to relationships and life, we can expect challenge from either or both. Sometimes it's both. There's challenges in relationship and in life at the same time. Um, at least half of the time. And there was a long season, I'm going to be completely honest, during chiropractic school where I was personally, like emotionally not doing super well. I was... I I would say I was depressed. I didn't even realize it at the time. But moving from that season, looking back, I was like, yeah, I think I was I was depressed there some of the time. And it was the combination of the gray weather, the long, long days with these little kids. Nate was almost always gone, which resulted in very little me time and a lot of loneliness. And I hadn't showed up yet. You hadn't showed up yet. And <laughs> it's true. And I know to be- that's the other thing. Get friends. <laughs> Seriously, which I was going to say that earlier. So um, let me revisit that in a second. But OK, yes. Um, during this phase, I literally resented him. And that's very strong. But I'm going to be really real. Mm-hmm. He obviously had it easier because he got to drive home from school for 20 to 40 minutes by himself listening to whatever he wanted or having conversations uninterrupted or just sitting down and nobody's touching him right Mm -hmm. obviously i had it worse and it was because he was in school and blah 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 all these thoughts were spiraling and i felt like i was in some sort of prison (laughs) dramatic much well perhaps but it was really how i was feeling i think that's how a lot of people feel so during that time, guess what? I, st- I I didn't just like stop talking to him. We had a lot of conversations, a lot of carousel conversations where it's like the same thing over and over again. But at the same time, kind of like I was talking about earlier, we applied our tired game here. Mm-hmm. So that meant that we had Ben and Jerry's every Friday night. Mm. Oh, those days. You were young and yeah. that metabolism. Mm, yeah. Day. And we watched a movie. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And we went for walks together with our babies mm-hmm. outside through the woods in the rain or the shine. We got some fresh air. We went to church together every Sunday. And like I said a little bit ago, we watched really good shows at night when we were just completely spent. Um, and so like while I was dealing with a lot emotionally, we had some of these standard things that we would thread in no matter what. And I think that those things saved us through that really difficult season Mm -hmm. because it gave us a little breath, a little dopamine, honestly. (laughs) Right? When we opened that. Probably more like oxytocin. Oxytocin. Uh, Yeah, maybe a little dopamine. I mean, part of the dopamine, right, is the expectation of that Friday night that you're going to enjoy together. So exactly. Getting me through Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yay, yes, tonight. Yes, absolutely. Things in the future that you're looking forward to. Yeah. Great way and to increase those feelings of love. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like when things are hard, we apply our tired game. Mm-hmm. And we can have heart and we can have moments at the same time. And it is, it does feel a little bit unnatural to like open up a cart of ice cream after I've just been like, you do not understand how hard mm-hmm. this is. Let me spell it out for you. Right. And he's like, I'm sorry. It sounds so hard. I'm like, you sound so forced. Let's have some ice cream. But honestly, Mm -hmm. it kind of got us out of it. (laughs) And it was just kind of a standard thing. Um, I do want to now circle back and say that while we might have the expectation that our partner should be absolutely everything for us, I believe they should be our number one. But I don't believe I should get everything from my partner. 100 i think agree i yeah like michelle when you came into my life i could talk to you about how hard it was to be with these kids all days all and guess day what? And you could say i understood better than nate exactly nate will never he tries so hard and i'm really good at spelling out every hard thing that happened and mm-hmm. guess what neither of us feel very good after mm-hmm. like it just doesn't do anything so then i call michelle and i'm like michelle what do i do this is so hard and yeah. i i don't even yeah i don't know how to deal and you can say oh I totally get it Literally, I was there, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, so it's like we have these different roles or like I am a a pusher, like a goal person. And like if I'm Nate, let's run a marathon. He'd be like, heck no, never. So then I call my sister and I'm like, hey, let's run a marathon. Let's Mm -hmm. do it. Right. Like we have these different roles in our lives that can fill us and complete us. Yeah. That was the other thing I was going to say that's so crazy about romantic relationships is I think that in hand in hand with i do think that romantic relationships are probably the best they've been in like a lot of human history especially for women but mm-hmm. i also think that like people can get obsessed with them and they can be like this person has to fulfill everything for me they have right. to be the person i want to be with 24/7 and like again take a step back you would never say that about a friend like you have to be with me every moment of my life for the rest <laughs> of your life like no, like you have, or friends. we're done, right? You have the friends that. Well, I don't have the friends that I run marathons with, but some people have those friends. I guess I could have that with you if I was the one who wanted to run a marathon. I'm always here for you. <laughs> and I ran two whole miles the other day without quitting, oh, and I was I'm like, so proud of you. All right, this is still boring, and I'm gonna go home. Um, <laughs> Give but, me my dance, my trampoline. <laughs> So, but like you have your friend that you're like, oh, we go and do this together. And your other friend that you enjoy doing, I don't know, crafts with, whatever the point is, is that I'm not saying like to an extreme level, but like know that there are other 
people who should be a part of your life and other relationships worth investing in and making your husband also your like girlfriend is never gonna work well right like yeah jessica like i'm the person to call about some stuff and then but there's like stuff that's definitely for nate and um just expanding those horizons a little bit i think can can bring more joy and more life back into a relationship if so that you're not just sucking and like oh i need you to be everything for me all the time like no like expand your community even though it's sometimes hard (laughs) don't let anyone replace number one like that nate is my number one right Right? he's my spouse your time with them and know that like unlike your friends this is the person you know you (laughs) right waking up next to for the rest of your life so like you're gonna that's gonna need some time and some attention and some effort absolutely but But like beyond that yeah let's expand call your mom sometimes call us anyways yeah um, yeah the point is just you know having other relationships in your life can be so good and then kind of to your point earlier is that like when I'm doing things that I enjoy and that make me feel good and that fill my cup, I'm better able to show up as my best self and then like, you know, work on relationships and difficult seasons and things like that because, because I have something to give, right? Because I got filled up somewhere else. Um, I mean, I guess maybe that sounds a little bit weird, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm doing something that excites me instead of just feeling pulled and drained and nagged and all of those things right mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah and that is that is on us yeah which yeah. is sometimes a harsh thing i saw to this thing today that was like i have to tell you that the only person who's ever going to show up and start making your life better is you mm. it's just it's true there is doing it's true. it <laughs> it's true but tell me. us since we kind of took a little pivot there like what yeah. you do what you do when it's hard. Has it um, ever been hard? Oh my gosh. What? Yes, of course. Early on in our relationship, my husband worked in public accounting. And so he would uh, be basically MIA from January to April 15th. And like, I had like a bunch of kids during this time and, you know, a bunch of really sane things like that. But um, it got us into the habit of knowing that hard seasons, there's like times when you're like buckling down and you're doing the hard thing. And then after that comes like a time for rejoicing and reconnecting and all of those things. And so I feel like learning that lesson early on. And for me, I know that this is not for everybody. But during that time, it's not that we would not communicate, we would hang out on like the weekends and stuff like that. But for us specifically during that time, I would kind of be doing my job and he would be doing his job and we let each other do our own separate jobs. Again, this is not for everybody, but we would like not really like text each other all day long or anything like that because we were just focused on what we were doing. Each knowing that like we're putting in the effort right now and then we're going to come back together sort of at the end of this. And again, we're like reconnecting on like the weekends and on the evenings and stuff like that. But for me, I didn't want to be like needy of somebody who was occupied elsewhere. And the same thing that he felt for me. We might have to cut that part. I don't know. No, I actually. It might be difficult to explain. No, that that resonates with me. Yes. It doesn't feel good after you try to play that game. Yes. Okay. So here's like what would happen is he would, he was either out of town all the time, like he would like leave and go on these jobs, or he would leave early in the morning and come back 
10 o'clock at night or later. So I'm doing all of the child raising, everything like that. Sometimes he might have been home for dinner. And I started to get so irritated by trying to wait for him to come home for dinner that I just decided, nope, <laughs> like we're going to have dinner at whatever time our ch- my children need to have dinner because that was the stage of life we were in. I'm going to have dinner at five o'clock with them. And like there will be leftovers for you when you come home or whatever. But the moment I stopped waiting for him and decided I'm figuring this out on my own, it freed me up to make those other friendships with other people, to build my community, and just to actually enjoy what I was doing because I wasn't waiting for somebody else to come and qualify it in some way. And so for me, that was like hugely helpful to just be like, I don't wait for you for dinner during this time. And I'm not saying like, we don't wait for dinner. Now we wait for dinner or we do dinner together. Now it's possible. possible. Now it's possible. But during that stage, it was not possible. And it was making me miserable, making me miserable, waiting for it to be possible or getting angry every time that he would text and be like, I can't come home for another hour. And my children are already screaming because they're already way too hungry. And I'm just really fed up. And so it was like, you know what? I'm going to take this expectation off the table and we're going to reconnect in other ways at different times. And then we could be more, we could enjoy those times together so much better because we hadn't built up all of these little resentments over time. And we knew that this was a stage of the year that happened. And then after that, there would be more freedom and there would be Mm -hmm. more times that he was home for dinner and we'd get to go on a vacation together or whatever it was. So we were aware that the hard season was a certain way and then that we would change and adapt and new things would come at the end and there would be new good things ahead and I feel like learning that has been very helpful to us knowing that like the seasons change and good things are still ahead and we're we're looking for them has been hugely helpful to me and now he does not work anymore in public accounting but we still know that difficult seasons come Some of them we can expect. Some of them, you know, we'll sit down and be like, this is coming up next. This is going to be a really hard season. Here's our plan of attack. Sometimes, of course, you can't expect (laughs) what, like, the season is going to bring. You have no idea what's happening, right? But we remain flexible and anticipate a good future together. So Mm -hmm. when we know a hard season is coming, we plan something that we are excited to do afterwards. He uh, had a really difficult season at work a few years ago where it was, again, like he was going to be MIA and we were not going to expect much of each other during that time because we were both like nose to the grindstone getting work done. And but after that, we scheduled a weekend trip away together and having that to look forward to was good. But then when we went on that trip, we could also be like, oh, hey, I like you. This is good. This is fun. I enjoy you. And I'm excited for going back home, that difficult season being more or less over and us enjoying each other again. So whatever your version of excitement for the future looks like, but also how can you find joy in this moment? And it might be atypical or it might seem strange. It might seem strange to say that the best thing I ever did for our relationship was stop expecting him to come home for dinner. Um But, like, what is that for you? What is it for you that, like, 
you could change your perspective on something or you could change your outlook or what you think you have to do in order to make your relationship work in this season and with what you guys are dealing with, because it's probably different than what, you know, maybe even your friends are dealing with or what your parents dealt with. Like our world is just changing so much. And so we have to be flexible to drop, (laughs) drop the expectations that are too much, but then still have the expectation that we're looking forward to a future together. How are we going to make that work? And yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful example, Michelle. And I think what's key here is that communication so that you have the expectations that are on the same same level, same page. It's not like you threw your hands in the air and we're like, never mind. Like, no dinner for you. You're late. No dinner for you. Come on, right. kids. Let's eat. Like, right. you were like, okay, this is this is the expectation. I'm sure you were like, Steve, I love you. It's going to be best for us to have dinner. And I'm going to, like you said, I'm going to leave you some leftovers. Yeah. So, so having that communication, I love the hope here. I love the, I don't know. It just feels so encouraging to be like, you know what? Our situation is literally different from anyone else that I know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's never going to be the same no matter yeah. what. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so it's up to us to decide what this season needs and let's go do it. And of course there's going to be challenges and maybe this, your spouse is not on the same page, but we can mm-hmm. keep working towards that with like, like we said in those stages of the relationship, like let's, let's choose to keep confronting the hard mm-hmm. so that we can work to that wholehearted love and recognize our independence and our imperfections within the relationship and still commit to it anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And just open our minds to the joy that is present with us now because Amen. it exists. It might be harder to, you know, we might be in a stage where it's hard to find, but it's yeah. there. And if we open our minds to look for it, I truly believe that we find it and that then it perpetuates this cycle of goodness. And then that goodness starts to like overflow until you're like, wow, this is amazing. And then, you know, even when you think things are amazing, you're also going to have moments where you're like, this is horrible. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Why did we life. decide to do this? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, because that's what life is, right? It's all those ups and downs. But I do think that we can like breed good things in ourselves and in our relationships. And um, one thing I was thinking of, too, is I w- this mom was talking actually about how about sowing, sowing good things. And then she was like, I finally am getting to reap the rewards of the good things that I sowed back during the really difficult season. Mm. And it made me think about how sewing, I mean, I don't do a lot of farming myself, but you know, sewing, you think of as being difficult. First, you have to break up the rocks in the ground, you have to till the soil, right? You have to like, clear the land. From what I gather from TV shows. And, um, but it's like, (laughs) it's hard work. It's It's not necessarily enjoyable. Yeah. But you're putting in the effort knowing that good things are going to come, right? You're going to get to enjoy that harvest. You're going to get to um, enjoy rest from your labor, right? And there's going to be like this party and celebration where you bake the bread from the wheat that you grew. And then, you know, you enjoy all of that time and then you're fed, right? And so sometimes we are in seasons where we are sowing in difficult ground, where we are putting in effort that we don't necessarily want to put in effort. But I do believe that we get to reap those rewards and that we get to someday get the harvest of our hard work and we get to enjoy the relationship that we have 
built over time because a partnership is about trust and it's about growth and it's about um, sticking it out when things are tough and also enjoying each other and having fun and all of those things over time Mm -hmm. create Mm -hmm. um, a beautiful relationship that you can be proud of and that you can, I keep saying enjoy, but that you can be really happy you're in and really secure in and all of those things. So So with that, let us go forth and commit to keep leaning in. Really, it's, I, I believe it's worth it. Absolutely. It is. It is worth it. It is worth it. Okay. Well, until uh, next time. Yeah, we'll come back next time in a couple of weeks, and we're going to talk about familial relationships. Relationships with our family. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.